Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jefferies, and this is Bookin', brought to you by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is Sue Monk Kidd, author of the best-selling novels The Secret Life of Bees and The Invention of Wings, amongst many others. Her new novel is The Book of Longings, published by our friends at Viking. Sue, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Jason. It is an honor to have you here, Sue. And the first question I have for you is one that I am asking every author at this time, and it is a two-part question. The first part is, how are you, Sue, doing right now in this world of the coronavirus pandemic? And the second part is, how are you approaching the marketing of your new book in these strange times? I think initially, um, when we realized we were going to have to cancel this book tour, I was a little crushed. Mm. I mean, you spend years in your study, I'm speaking of myself now, Mm -hmm. years, uh, four and a half to be exact on this book, uh, working on this in solitude, and honestly, I would dream of the day when I could go talk to readers about it on their own book tour mm. and um, then I realized that wasn't going to happen so we had to come up with other ways and authors and publishers have been so creative as have bookstores I think during this time mm. and so we've planned uh, some virtual events that um, I've had to learn technology but mm. it's been worth it absolutely to be able to have a way to talk to readers and hear their questions and thoughts and and just to do these podcasts, for instance, have, has been a, a great thing for me. So I'm doing great. I'm excited about the um, publication of the Book of Longings and um, really excited about readers responding to it. Excellent. Thank you so much. And now let's talk about your new book, The Book of Longings. This is a book about a young woman named Anna who becomes the wife of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And in the note at the beginning of the book, you write that you are writing this story from a novelist's perspective, not a religious one. Why did you feel that it was important to point this out? Well, I think there will be expectations coming into reading a book like this about Jesus. Well, I should back up and say it's really not a book about Jesus. It's a book about Anna. Mm -hmm. It's fully her story. But, of course, Jesus is a prominent character in the book. And um, I think people have certain ideas about um, how he will be portrayed based on their traditional maybe religious upbringing and so forth. So I felt like I should say what, how I approached writing the character of Jesus. I mean, Jesus has been written by other novelists. Um, I got, goodness, I, I think many. I wanted to do a, a little different take on it through the eyes of his wife, through the eyes of a woman, and give a feminine perspective of, of some things. So... It's her story, and I, as a novelist, um, I was interested in the human side of Jesus, to be a storyteller, basically, and not a voice for um, religious tradition, necessarily. Absolutely. Thank you. And um, one of the first characters to be introduced in this novel, The Book of Longings, is Anna's aunt. And forgive me, uh, I may butcher pronunciations all throughout this interview. Uh, Her aunt Yalta, is that correct? Yalta, yes. 
Excellent. Thank you. And Anna states that, unlike my mother, unlike every woman I knew, Yalta was educated. Why is Yalta's education important to this young woman, Anna? I think they lived in a time, well, I know they lived in a time when women were not educated. They were not uh, taught to read and write. In fact, it was discouraged in most all cases. So Yalta stands out as someone who was had an education and that is because she came she lived in the very sophisticated city of alexandria egypt which was kind of like a a jewel cultural jewel at the time um with the great library and so forth so there it was a little more lax there Mm -hmm. even in the jewish quarters Mm -hmm. which yalta of course is jewish being anna's aunt and then she gets exiled to this poverty-stricken country of Galilee, and she becomes Anna's, I want to say, really her lifeline. They form a kind of sacred alliance in a way, and because she is educated, she can see into Anna the giftedness and the brilliance and encourage her and mentor her. So that is a huge part of the story, actually, is their relationship. Right, and Anna is drawn to the parchments and scrolls that her Aunt Yalta possesses, and these parchments and scrolls contain the stories of matriarchs in the scriptures. Why is the discovery of these women's stories in the scriptures so surprising to young Anna? And I would like to point out before you answer that a similar moment happens later in the novel uh, with discovering women in the great works of philosophy. Exactly. Um they were few and far between. Mm. What I discovered is that um, women's voices were very minimal in the scriptures. Someone did a study, actually, uh, an Episcopal female priest did a study of um, how many, how the percentage of words in the Bible that were actually spoken by women, and it was shockingly low. It's something like less than 2%. Mm. And much of the women who did speak were not even named. So there is a lack of women's voices and stories. And Anna felt like she heard the great the stories of the great patriarchs of the Bible, but she wanted to hear about the women, and they were not mentioned or talked about very much, what little there was. Mm-hmm. And so she was determined to... Um, to bring those forth in her own writings and to learn about them and it, it kind of shocked her that they were there i mean there's a line in the book where she says all she heard was um abraham and jacob and isaac and moses 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 and she really was shocked when she discovered ah oh, they're women um so it's a it's an important discovery for her Thank you, Sue. And following this question, I feel it's a good point to circle back around to my earlier question regarding you writing this story from a novelist's perspective and not a religious one. Are you, Sue Monk Kid, at all concerned with the response that churches and religious organizations may have to this novel, The Book of Longings? Well, I won't say that there isn't a certain trepidation about that. I mean, mm. I, I'm not overly worried about it, no. Mm. When I first conceived the idea of writing this novel, I was so um, captivated by it and felt so strongly about writing it 
that um, it didn't really affect me at all how people might respond to this. It was just later that it came to me, you know, what are you doing here? You're going to really get some backlash from this. And I expect there will be some of that. But I'm not um, new to that. I wrote a novel, I mean, uh, a memoir, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, Goodness, it was over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was maybe 24 years ago called The Dance of the Dissident Daughter, in which I wrote very honestly and personally about my, um, I think I'll say collision between my tradition, my faith tradition, uh, and feminism and my feminism and how that uh, changed me and affected me. So that was controversial. So it's not like I haven't been around that little block before. However, I think this will be um, different. But I'm I'm honestly not overly concerned, though it is in the back of my mind that it will be there. But my feeling is that I this was this came to me to write this book and I'm just following that need in myself to do it as a novelist and um, I feel very strongly about it and so I'm going to stand by it I think um, people are often nervous about something that goes against tradition Mm -hmm. the debate has been long about whether Jesus married or not it's often debated by scholars and there are a lot of reasons to think he might have been and a lot of reasons to think he was not married but I would like to say to readers who are a little concerned about it that it's not believing whether he was married or not that really mattered to me it was imagining it and I think it can be good to imagine alternate histories because it opens our eyes to things we hadn't considered or it causes us to feel and think in new ways um, so it's not a, a, a statement of fact it's fiction and I think imagining a fictional life for him is actually good for the psyche and I think the human psyche wants and needs that as some way to balance out something that has been missing and I'll just finish by saying that I believe, well, in my mind, Anna symbolized a kind of missing feminine in religion. And so it was important to me to be able to give her a voice. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sue. Listeners, we are going to take a short break for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back with Sue Monk Kidd. The Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story. One that supports community. 
Listeners of Booking can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Sue Monk Kidd, author of The Book of Longings, published by our friends at Viking. Sue, Anna, the protagonist of this novel, The Wife of Jesus, is a writer. She states, and I quote, The act itself of writing evoked powers, often divine but sometimes unstable, that entered the letters and sent a mysterious animating force rippling through the ink. Unquote. And Sue, writing is obviously a very powerful act. It's why we are sitting here talking to one another right now. Uh, can you talk about the power of writing to Anna, why this would have been a powerful act in her time, and how that power carries into today with your personal writing? When I was researching the Book of Longings, I discovered that writing had amazing powers, or they were perceived to have amazing powers at the time. To put something in words, in writings, was as if you had imbued it with some kind of divinity or power or something that um, had an animating force in it. For instance, if you wrote a curse, um, that curse had power. Um, If you wrote a blessing, that blessing had power. So that was really fascinating to me to see how writing um, was understood at the time. And Anna, of course, understood it this way as as having this kind of import. Um, So I tried to convey that and she would call her letters, she took great care with her words and her letters and her language. And she would say that they were little ink temples for for God. That's how she thought of them. Um, now, I feel not quite that strongly about it, mm-hmm. but I think that um, writing for me is also a powerful experience, and for most writers, I would think. And to be able to take um, one's vision, one's thoughts, one's imagination and weave it into some kind of story and put it into actual language is both daunting and thrilling and um, one hopes has a powerful effect on a reader. Um, What I wish for, I guess, that I'm sure I don't always achieve is for Uh, my words to impact a reader on a level beyond just their mind. I mean, I definitely want my readers to think um, about what I'm writing, but I want my words to also affect their heart, even, even, I'm going to be bold enough to say their soul. Mm. This is when I think writing becomes like Anna described Mm -hmm. it has a transformative kind of effect on a reader and i can't fully explain how to make that happen if i knew i goodness i would have uh i would bottle that but i think for for anna and for myself um and for most writers there is both the story and there is the language and for Anna, it was all about the language itself and the power of the words. 
and it was about the women's voices and stories. For me, it is very similar. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sue. Uh, A character that we have not mentioned yet is Judas, who is Anna's brother. Can you introduce our listeners to Judas, the character in the Book of Longings? Yes, I remember the day that it struck me that Judas could be the adopted brother of Anna. Mm. And I I, I became very excited about it because what I hoped to do was to also portray Judas in a more human way. He is uh, typically seen as kind of in a black and white way. He's he's totally evil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's the betrayer and he's not seen in any kind of complex way. So I wanted to give a way for us to view or understand Judas uh, as a real human being who had some good intentions who started out a certain way. I mean, it wasn't all as black and white as we think. I wanted us to understand him better and why he did what he did. I think Judas had a motivation to um, that was political intent. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give a way for us to understand why he did what he did, and that was, in my mind, a kind of political theater that was going on and perhaps that would humanize Judas more in readers minds I think so thank you so much Sue now let's talk about Jesus Anna first encounters Jesus in a market where he has these threads of many collars dangling from his hands and Anna in time came to see these threads as rainbows perhaps sent to her as a sign from God much like the rainbow that God sent to Noah in this first encounter in the market Anna and Jesus did not speak to one another but from that moment forward he became an obsession an object of longing a person for whom she had desires can you talk about this initial encounter between Anna and Jesus and how it sowed the seeds for what followed That encounter is so important in my mind as I'm trying to think, how in the world will these two meet? Mm -hmm. And I knew it had to be um, significant. It had to be colorful, um, memorable. And so I went around and around about how to do it, and I tried various things, and none of them worked for me. And then I thought to just make it a simple encounter in a market Um, as Anna is under great duress um, I I won't give too much away here but she is about to um, be betrothed to Mm -hmm. someone she um, loathes Mm -hmm. and there in a stall in the market in Sepphoris where she lived is this young man probably around 18 years old who is helping his sister ball yarn. And this is unusual. In fact, it's unheard of. She says something like, I've never seen a man help a woman with the balling of yarn. Mm. And so she is staring at him. She, I think she's, um, she's fascinated with his laughter. And there is something about him that attracts her. So she is watching and they make eye contact. Um, you know, someone asked me once about this 
the character of Jesus who had read the, an early manuscript, an early reader copy of mm. the novel, mm-hmm. and I said, well, they said something like, um, well, what kind of man is, is Jesus? And I said, well, he's the kind of man that helps a woman ball her yarn, and that is the best kind of man. Mm-hmm. And he, so it was a real challenge to write his character because he's so much larger than anything I could really write, but I tried to portray him not just as this human being, a man, but as a a, a son and a brother and a, a stonemason, a carpenter, um, a social prophet in the making, a messiah in the making, because this novel takes place largely in the years between that we call the unknown years of Jesus, mm-hmm. when he was between 12 and 30. So what was he doing in his 20s, in his late teens? Um, What was going on? And those are the years I'm trying to fill in. But that first encounter between the two of them um, was like a little lightning bolt for Anna. Absolutely. And let's talk more about the concept of arranged marriages, especially as portrayed in the Book of Longings. Anna, who is to be betrothed to someone she does not love, to someone she does not even know, as you alluded to, uh, is unhappy with her arrangement. Her mother, who is instrumental in this arranged betrothal, is unhappy in her arranged marriage, so much so that she has made arrangements to make sure she does not produce any more children. We run into these examples of women who are unhappy in their arranged marriages elsewhere in the Book of Longings. Can you talk to us about this institution and its importance to your novel? And why didn't the women just say enough? Yes, why not, indeed. Well, I think that's what Anna was saying. She, by her life, and often by her very words, was saying enough. Mm. But she was unique, I think, in a lot of ways. And I'll just say, um, someone might think that she's an anachronism because, you know, she's she does have a feminist side to her because she does say enough because she does have these longings to do more than women commonly do in that culture and time Um, but my feeling is that while there may not have been such a thing as an organized feminism women in every epoch have probably chased against the limitations placed on them. They've probably seen their brother's freedoms and opportunities and wished they could have the same thing. I I just know how women's hearts and minds are. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that has always been the case. But I do think the culture and religion and other factors are so arranged against them throughout history that it was just massive and impossible to... um, to do much about it and even saying enough puts you in a kind of jeopardy mm. um now what was the question oh um <laughs> the question was just to speak towards examples of women who are unhappy or to tell us about oh, well, the institution and its importance to your novel yeah right i chased a rabbit there mm, that's okay um 
the yes, the betrothal in first century in Palestine mm. was a legal uh, binding relationship. I, I mean, there they went to great lengths to write contracts, and the, a betrothal was as binding as a marriage. In mm. fact, it was like a marriage mostly, and it could last anywhere from the minimum was about two months to up to a year. Mm. And before they were transferred to their um, betrothed house and had a, usually some kind of ceremony and became married. So it was very different. And But the, the thing about it was that women were supposed to have some say in whether they wanted to participate in this betrothal or not, but, but often did not. I found a wonderful book. Um, about ancient uh, marriage practices mm. in antiquity, and um, it was just such a help to me in understanding how it was in Judea and in Galilee at the time, and how the contracts worked, and how how fathers were the ones who, and mothers also had some say in it, but it was essentially the fathers who arranged these marriages. And another father could go to um, say Anna's father and say you know I'd like to arrange this marriage and they said okay let's draw up a contract and that's how it went mm. so they had little say so I think the the possibility of happiness may have been uh, low at best right thank you so much Sue um, finally to bring us full circle speaking towards Anna's betrothal relatively early in this novel Anna writes Visit a pestilence upon my betrothal. Let it be broken by whatever means God chooses. Unbind me from Nathaniel ben Hananiah. And then, later, a pestilence, a pandemic of sorts, falls upon their city. Everyone is forced to stay indoors amongst the members of their immediate family only. I cannot help but draw a parallel between that moment in the Book of Longings and what is happening now on Earth in 2020. And I'm hoping... You can speak towards these parallels and how the more things change, the more they stay the same. But first, I want to highlight a passage towards uh, the pestilence's end when Anna receives a letter that says, Leave your cage. And then Anna thinks, It has been a month and a half since the sickness first appeared in the city. Only yesterday we heard of a child who'd become newly infected, but the disease seems to be taking its leave. Unquote. And Sue, can you speak towards this moment in your novel and our situation now in 2020? And can you imagine the moment uh, when we'll be ready to leave our cages? Well, that was a prescience that I had no idea I had mm-hmm. when I was writing the novel. Mm-hmm. It never occurred to me that it would have any parallel to the present. That's the shock of history sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when I think about that, and you know, it only occurred to me just a few days ago that this that there was this aspect in the novel in which they they called it a fever sickness, um, sort of descended on the city, and everybody had to stay indoors for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And then there was also a kind of confinement that Anna had to do after the birth of her child, and it just seems like there was a lot of confinement going on suddenly. Mm -hmm. And so I think readers are going to feel that a little more strongly 
given our circumstance right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been um, locked down, quarantined, socially distanced, whatever we want to call it, here with my husband for, let's see, since the middle of March. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all about to go a little stir crazy. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, it is not quite so intense mm-hmm. that need to escape the cage because um, uh, this is what I usually do. I stay in my study and write and I don't go out a tremendous amount because I work here at home. So, but I do miss, I do miss it. Um, But my feeling is that um, we need to stay tucked in and listen to our doctors and our and to science, as they say, mm-hmm. and to err. If we're going to err, let's do it on the side of caution because people's lives are actually at stake. So yes, there's a cage, <laughs> if we want to call it that. That's what Anna calls it. Um, but more importantly, we have people who are uh, immune susceptible mm-hmm. to this and and older people and we just have to be very very careful so I'm hoping that we can stay with it and see it through and um, I wish everybody the best with it it's not easy Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sue. Listeners, I've been speaking with Sue Monk Kidd, author of The Book of Longings, published by our friends at Viking. I want to remind our listeners that you can order signed copies of The Book of Longing and other books from www.quailridgebooks.com with free shipping. Sue and I will be continuing our conversation about The Book of Longings and passages pertaining to the latter parts of the novel in May through her publisher, Viking. I will put those links in the show notes when they are available. Sue, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I have enjoyed every minute of talking with you. Thanks so much. Once again, I would like to thank Sue Monk Kidd for joining me. Signed copies of the Book of Longings can be purchased at www.quailridgebooks.com with free shipping. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro.fm Audiobooks. Please navigate to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get three months of audiobooks for the price of one. My name is Jason Jefferies, and this has been Bookin'.